at the movies is a proud member of the i did not make these rankings podcast network other shows in the network include mass debaters the sip list crushgasm love is black men are the prize crime rewind and literature reapers you can find out all about our shows and more at idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com happy listening and an evening at the movies <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I will fix it as soon as I'm not sick anymore. Hello, everybody. Welcome to evidently an evening at the movies because I do not know how to freaking play the right freaking intro. So, with that said, no, um, that was the right intro. I just left an evening at the movies off the when I recorded it because I said mm. literature reapers twice. Oh. No, I hit. I played the in evening at the movies intro. Oh, my cursor literally is on the in evening. That's why I said okay. at the beginning, an evening at the movies is a part of the blah blah blah. blah. So. Oh, whoops! Yeah. I didn't hear that. <laughs> okay, well then yeah. I didn't do anything wrong. So, hashtag, you got a little bit of an intro there. We'll play the real intro at the end of the episode as we go out. But we are here today, not for an evening at the movies. But we are here for Literature Monday, which is tomorrow, which is happy Labor Day to everybody. Um, I am your evidently not high on gummies host, but still fucks everything up host, Casey. I am very happy to be here. And we're going to do the intros a little bit different today. So we're going to start with the Reaper on the bottom and... Um, we need to do a Coca-19 check-in with Shanna to make sure she's healthy. I do not have COVID. I don't think. I'd know it if I had it. <laughs> I would hope you would know it if you had it. But with all that said, we have one last check-in to do because there is one of us who does technically have the Coca-19. Amanda, how are we feeling today? Um, I'm okay. COVID's got me down, but not out. Well, you can't keep a good Reaper down. So really quick before we get into finishing up our assessment of this literature masterpiece, um, would any of you like to shamelessly plug any of your shit that you do in the podcast world? 
I will. Yeah, go for it. Somebody plug the sip list too. <laughs> Hence the re Amanda's just going to lay there and occasionally answer a question or two and let us do all the work. Pretty much. All right. I am Shanna, one half of the Crime Orion crew, um, where we talk about the old, the cold, and often untold. I host or co-host that with my lovely compadre, Amanda, who is a bit under the weather. So I will be looking for hand signals on her part and conveying her messages to you. Um, that looks like a middle finger. So I'm assuming she's saying, fuck you, Casey. No, it's a thumb. <laughs> That's a middle finger. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Amanda is also the host of The Sip List, where they... She drinks things and talks about things. <laughs> uh, evidently, Shannon was not prepared to plug the list, but she's a trooper. And the sip list is the podcast where we talk about our favorite. I don't even fucking know. Top I've been on the damn list. thing like People top fives. See, you need to hurry up and get over to damn Coco so you can do your own shameless plugs. That way we don't screw it up, even though between the both of us, we've been on more than enough freaking simplest episodes. I think I nailed it pretty accurately. Yeah. Drink things and talk in, about in, in, in your own... That's probably a good way of putting it. It's probably a more concise way of putting it. We drink things, we talk about things, and then you have the sip lips. I drink and I know things. I eat that means I know things. Yes. Shanna does eat gummies and mm -hmm. professes to know things. But evidently, she does not know that there was wrestling on Peacock last night. Ha ha. I had to remind her. When it was like three which is minutes weird from because not Yeah, literally, I think, yeah, that match was less than three minutes away. But the funny part is, is literally like 24 hours before I had texted her and asked, a reminder that yes payback was this weekend and not next weekend so I just thought that was ironically funny but um, we've got the syphilis covered we've got uh, crime rewind covered obviously everybody knows we're here for literature reapers um, well I guess we'll throw out uh, we're all the co-hosts of an evening at the movies as well who um, Hopefully, depending upon how the next few days go, we'll be coming back guns blazing. No pun intended. That really was a bad pun, and I really did not plan for that to come out the way it did. It's very um, timely. But, yeah, I'm not very timely. But um, favorite movie-based podcast, we eat the stale popcorn, we drink the watered-down sodas, we talk about all of our favorite movies and why we love them some of which are not our favorite movies, and we will discuss why we do not love them. There are a couple that we've done in the last 164 episodes. That's right, people. We are rapidly approaching 200. It will be here before you fucking know it. So, Literature Reapers, here we go. For those of you who hopefully listened to the last episode, if you did not listen to the last episode, I highly recommend you stop right now, go back and listen to our mid-month check-in before you listen to this episode, because 
spoilers all over the freaking place in this and episode. And make sure if you're reading the book, don't listen to this until you're done. Yeah. Put cocky yeah. all over your face. Yeah, but definitely make sure that you come back and listen to it once you finish. Like, don't forget about us. We're, we're yeah. still here. We yeah, promoted yeah. it on uh, Jody Picoult's post about what she was reading. Got a couple of people to say they'd listen, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, see, this is how you shamelessly plug a literature review podcast. You go on to authors' freaking pages and you freaking drop shit like we're currently reading 19 Minutes by Jody Picoult. Or, you know, we're not, but, you know, say we're, we're doing the book we're doing for October and we decided to do freaking Holly. Then you go on to Stephen King Twitter and say, hey, we're doing Holly on freaking Literature Reapers. If Stephen King ever liked one of my tweets, I think I might just die right there. I don't think I know. I mean, I I legitimately probably would have had a heart attack if any of my last couple posts I made on Jody's page, if she had liked them. Yeah, that would have been but cool. No offense to Jody, but if Uncle Stevie had liked anything that I freaking tagged him in. Tyson Banks, stop it. What? Trying to eat my lettuce. Oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you can't take your cats anywhere. I didn't think cats liked refuge. I didn't Nobody. think this cat was going to be as spry as he is yet. Here we are. Yeah, my cat <laughs> is fucking dumb. She is so dumb, and George is about had it with her. She cannot be trained. She's Gage so Creed trained is not dumb. You can't train cats. I mean, you can kind of, I thought, deter them from things if you do the same thing enough, but no. she cannot be deterred. And last night, she walked through a pile of broken glass after she broke a vase. Today, she put her paw on a hot griddle. She's dumb. She's not here for a long time. She's here for a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> not to get into the whole personal deal but didn't you say like she has like the kitty hiv yeah she's got the kitty aids so she just wants to make sure that while she's here she gets to experience everything in life she's breaking my shit what's there get off my pillow oh, I mean... anyway yeah but if he got rid of her it would break your heart well yeah i'm not I'm, we're not getting rid of her <laughs> I just saw my cat take off like a bat out of hell because it cuted. <laughs> oh dear lord! Maybe I, I think on that to get rid of her. <laughs> I think on that note. Um, so, nineteen minutes. Author Jody Picoult, released on March 9th, two thousand seven. Uh, published by. Atria and while I'm thinking about it, uh, yeah, no, that pretty much covers it. Um, I, mm, long story short, 
It's the 14th novel by American author Jody Picoult. It was Picoult's first book to debut at number one on the New York Times bestseller list. This novel follows the unfolding of a school shooting, including the events leading up to the incident and the aftermath of said incident. So I did not have a full 90 second preview geared up for this. So that's what you're going to get. I read the first freaking paragraph on the Wikipedia and we will go get into the discussion. Are we ready? Picking up at page 240 for those that don't know where we left off. Yes. Very much 240. Um, so before I get into the questions, are the numbers on said questions the order in which you would like me to ask them? Um, yes. Okay. I emailed so. my discussion questions to Casey so he could lead it because less talky the better for me. Yeah. Not less talking. Coughing. Talk, talking makes me cough. Not the cough. <laughs> but it's organic. Apparently. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, vegan? Please, please send help. No, I draw the line at vegan. Question number one. Were you surprised that nothing changed for Drew after the shooting? Do you think he really learned nothing or did he just want things to go back to normal because that's what felt safe? I think Drew really like fixated on normalcy. Like he, even when things weren't normal, he acted like they were. He avoided the situation I felt pretty much at all costs. He didn't ever really want to deal with the fallout of what happened. Like not visiting yeah. him, you know, and all that. He just put it in a little, like a Wait. little pocket and tucked it away. We're talking about Drew Gerard, not Lewis. Oh, scratch that. I'm dumb. <laughs> We're going to talk about Lewis. Okay, I'll, I'll start. I think Drew is too immature and is too much of an alpha and has been given everything on a silver platter his whole life. I would say 30% was just normalcy is what made him feel safe. I would say 70%. He truly learned nothing because even later in the book when – He's being questioned by the lawyer before he goes on the stand and the cop. And it's like, he, he literally thinks he did nothing wrong. I love when the, when Patrick was like, listen, you little prick, don't fuck this up. Uh -huh. <laughs> I know what you did to Peter and you're going to be honest about it. <laughs> I would hope I mean, later in life he would learn something from it, but I really don't think, I don't think he took any accountability. I kind of feel like it had the very, the, the way Drew made me feel in this book as he got older and grew up and was looking back at it or not grew up, but you know, was looking back on the situation gave me very much the luckiest girl alive vibe. Yes. Same. Well, cause he very easily could have been in his <coughs> predicament. I mean, we'll get to his best friend's predicament. I'm sure at some point in the next 10 questions after this one. Yep. But, and I'm not going to spoil that just yet because 
But I, I do think that that the reason I asked that question about Drew is that there's a question later talking about how how maybe realistic this is and whether or not it could change things for people. And I think we all want to believe that, like like I've said, I would make this book required reading if I could, because I'd like to believe that it could change the way people look at things and behave. But the reality is. Some people can't be changed. Some people can't be taught. And I I think the situation with Drew is a prime example of that. He literally was shot and learned nothing. Still from a dick. Her. Yeah. He's still throwing spitballs at kids two months after it happened. And it, I'm, I'm glad she did it that way because it made it more realistic. Exactly. Like, not every person is redeemable. Right. So, and I, I definitely think really? Drew had the potential to be redeemable, and I really had high hopes for him. But then, as the book went on, and we got to look at him after this whole thing went down, and you know, when the cops were interviewing him and stuff, and you're like, God damn it, all these people died, and you learned nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, and I think the point Amanda was trying to get at too was the whole idea that you would like to believe that in a situation like this, there would be a lot of emotional growth for everybody involved. But at the end of the day, I think this book was incredibly realistic in the fact that not everybody is going to grow up and mature from this whole situation. <coughs> Some people are just set in their ways and are Peter Pan and the whole thing. They're never going to fucking grow up. Yeah. And I think Drew, ultimately, at the end of the day, is that person who isn't going to grow up. He's an ass, maybe not to the same extent that his bestie is, but he's still a fucking ass. Well, he's going to have to take over that role now because Matt can't. Yeah. I mean, bye-bye. Probably like, my time to shine. (laughs) I'm the best around. No. Ain't nobody ever no, gonna take best. Okay. Not the best. Not the karate kid. I'm watching the karate kid when we're done. Yeah. Love that movie. I do too. And not the, the fucking Jaden Smith bullshit. No. no. Going with Hollywood <laughs> Dreamboat Ralph Macchio. Mm-hmm. Get off my husband. I feel like there may be one, two, or possibly three of us that are going to be fighting over the fact that and pissed off because I know what my number one pick for the freaking fictitious sports movie athlete is. And I know good and hell well, at least one of the two of you is going to want to draft him before me. And both of you picked before me in that draft, too. So I will preface it well with a fuck you now. Maybe yeah, it has a test. Amanda has a veto. That's true, I do. And I only mm. have this week to use it. I was going to say, not after this week, she doesn't. So, hashtag tune in this week to the I Did Not Make These Rankings Podcast Network drafts because Amanda will be using her veto. I'm not the convinced. Problem with the veto is that you have to be strategic with it because if you don't use it on the person before you, then it goes to waste, basically. So, it's like, 
If somebody well, yeah, because ahead of me picks one, I could veto it, but then three other people have a chance to pick that before it gets back to me. So what's the point? It ideally works best if the person you're vetoing is first in line and you're second. Right. <coughs> and then nobody else has to vetoes after you. <laughs> yeah. Well, because there's the other kitchen that's getting up for the first time ever, too. Amanda could have a veto and could veto something in front of her. Let's say Harvey is behind her. Harvey could veto the veto of the veto. It's like draft Dirty Santa. I thought you are going to say Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> so did I. I'm not going to lie. And it honestly wouldn't have surprised me either. But um, Not the poop stash. Ew. <laughs> uh, all right. Given that she witnessed Matt's cruelty to others, why do you think Josie was surprised when, she, when he abused her verbally and physically? Because she thought she was special. Yep. And him doing things to her that he did to everyone else and treating her the same way that he did everyone else took the shine off of that. Well, I, that was going to be my whole thing was, I think when the shit with Matt started going down in the second half of the book, I think is about the time that Josie started realizing that her life wasn't all sunshine and rainbows and unicorn farts. Not Maybe that she... she that well, yeah, I think she knew that before that, but I think the whole relationship with Matt was like her armor. Like yeah. that it would make it easier for her to portray that everything's fine to everyone else, which is essentially what she wanted everyone to believe is that everything was perfect. Well, that was where I was going with, I had the chance to fully explain everything. It was like, yes, she did. She has questioned things from the beginning, but to a certain extent, shit got dark for her after page 240 in this book. Yeah. And I think, and just my own personal opinion, I think the stuff that happens with <coughs> Courtney, fucking Courtney, God, I was not sad that that bitch died. Okay, I'm sorry, that was mean. I don't really mean that, but you know, to see that when she finds out that that email got sent out, and she's like, you know, it could have been any one of my friends, including Matt. And she's like, these people aren't my friends. And she's like, popular kids don't have friends; they have alliances. And I was like, yeah. And it's a bad episode. Turn on you, Big Brother, all over again. Fucking Courtney. Fucking Blue. <laughs> anyway. Do you think Peter was stupid for trusting Elena? Was he naive or desperate for attention? Or both. He's naive and young and dumb and horny. Mm -hmm. Young, dumb. Young, dumb, and full of cum. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but he should I have mean, listened to his fucking lawyer. Don't talk to anybody. I couldn't believe she did that to him. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can't believe it, but... Well, I mean, let's be honest. At the end of the day, the media doesn't give two shits about anybody but themselves and their story and they will cut the throat, step on, shit on, piss on whoever they have to, to make sure they are the one that gets to break the story yeah. at the end of the day. She it's not used your wits right and way. your tits to get what she needed. 
Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, um, <coughs> I would personally, in my own opinion, classify Peter as more naive, maybe, than desperate. But that's just me. I think. Well, I guess I could see both sides of the equation too. But yeah. I'm gonna say more desperate than naive. Like I think he just wanted to feel that kind of connection with someone, anyone. Because I feel like he knew that it was not normal for him to not have those kinds of relationships. And, you know, it wasn't a lack of trying on his part. Like, he tried to make friends and he tried to, you know, fit in as much as he could. But he was always going to be that weird kid. And I feel like he just thought that that kind of connection could be forced. And it can't. And here's a college girl paying attention to him. Exactly. When Lewis reveals why he hasn't visited Peter, fucking father of the year. Yeah. Do you do you hate him or empathize with him? I felt both kind of equally. I feel like when he explained it like Whenever Joey was killed, I wish that that drunk driver had died instead of Joey. Then he was like, all these parents are wishing that our son had died and I can't blame them. Like, I felt in, in that, but I still think he's a coward. You're the kid's fucking dad. And, and that's when he goes there, he's like, for ignoring you for the last 18 years, basically. Like, yeah, you're his fucking dad. Step up and be there for him. He's still your kid. I kind of like, I went through something pretty, not pretty similar, but when a member of my immediate family went to jail and I didn't go visit, um, it was, looking back on it, it might have seemed kind of selfish, but I wasn't going to center my time and attention around someone who did something, you know what I mean? Like, why am I going to? do all the work to, to visit them when they're locked up. Like, I get it. They can't come see me. I get that now. But, like, why am I going to alter my life just because they can't do the right thing? And I didn't go see that person. <coughs> they were locked up for, like, a year and a half. Do you think it's different, though, when it's your kid? It was my brother. Yeah. I, I mean, I would still say it's different when it's your kid, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. You obviously know better than I do. Cause if my brother was in prison for something horrible, maybe I wouldn't go see him. But if Abby was like, and I knew she was alone and nobody was going to see her, I probably, I don't know how I could stay away. You know, I don't know. There, I feel like I feel one way emotionally. But then I also understand the fact, too, that I'm not a parent, so I don't necessarily know how a parent would feel in this situation. So I can't necessarily say, oh, no, 
you did what you did and you have to pay for your crimes and blah, blah, blah. All, okay, fine. There's that side of the equation. Then you have the other side of the equation. But that's still your fucking kid. And like Amanda said, <coughs> and Abby, she doesn't know if she could leave her there alone with nobody. You know, there's merits to both sides of the argument. I here. honestly, I yeah, I think if it were my situation with my daughter, and I think it would depend on what she did. Now, if she, you know, committed a school killing rampage, chances are I would not go see her only because that kind of trauma doesn't just affect like the people that were shot and, you know, the people that died in their families. It's also very, very traumatic for the family of the person that did it. Yeah. And they would like, if it were me, I, I would need my own time to heal. And every time I would go visit my daughter, it would just rip open that wound for me. And her situation wouldn't be changing. She's in jail. So it would, I just, I don't think I could. I don't, if it, like, she committed mass murder, yeah. I don't think I could. Well, and what Casey was saying, though, I think the thing with that is that both things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Like, like if it were Abby, and we've, ta- we've had this discussion with her a million times because she's like, you know, if I killed somebody, would you hate me? Not like she's asked that a million times. Sorry, right. I want that to be like <laughs> red flag. <coughs> but, if, if that were to happen, of course, I would absolutely want you to get whatever the punishment is under the law. You got to you gotta serve your time and be punished and held accountable, but it doesn't mean I would stop loving you. Right. So but I, but like, they say that the person, the criminal is not the only person doing time. Their family oh, is. Yeah. So I don't, I just don't know if I could commit myself to ripping that bandaid open and, and letting that wound fester for the rest of my life yeah and it might depend on your relationship with the child too right clearly lewis and peter had no kind of relationship but right it felt awful that to me that Lacey was the only one that was holding it all together like she had to hold everything together after joey died and then now with peter and it's like i feel like lewis is an absentee father and spouse and then then look at what happened to Lacey during her testimony during the trial as well yeah that was awful i cried i mean i felt so bad for her because (laughs) i well i think this kind of sort of bleeds into the next question too so um i'm gonna go ahead and ask the next question and then i will finish what i was gonna say but um how much responsibility do you think falls on lewis and lacy for peter's actions particularly Lewis, who taught Peter how to use guns. So back to what I was saying, though, and kind of sort of piggybacking off of what Amanda said. Lacey is the one that held everything down after Joey died. She held everything down after the Peter incident. She's the one that had to go through the trial situation during her testimony and all of that. I don't necessarily. This is a hard call to make because I can see, and I think we talked about it briefly in the last episode as well. I remember in college doing a paper on um, 
yeah, violence and, and its influence from the outside media world. And it's one of those catch. I mean, I can see a lot of people are going to rush to throw the blame at obviously mom and dad's feet. Because it's the easiest. It's the easiest stone to throw. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it's the easiest thing to do. At the end of the day, there is some merit to the argument that TV, music, video games, all of that can help create the per the perfect storm. I think that's the second easiest stone to throw. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably the two easy. Yeah, it would be the two easiest stones to throw, and at the end of the day, they're probably the two most to blame, I guess. I don't know if one's more right than the other. Um, Lewis teaching Peter how to use guns, okay. A lot of parent fathers teach their sons how to shoot, but not everybody's going out and coming to school with a backpack full of guns and blowing away 29 people either. But that same argument could be made for video games. All kids play video games. How many kids play Grand Theft Auto? All kids watch horror movies. They're not all going out, you know. Right. And I think if you, you know, put a hundred kids in a room and exposed all of those kids to the exact same stimuli, there are going to be some kids that are more predispositioned or predisposed to that kind of violence. So, yeah, that may, you know, be like, oh, it might formulate those thoughts and maybe solidify them a little bit more. But you have like two or three kids that may have, you know, like two or three percent. So I definitely think that I would say the parents maybe have 10 percent of the blame. Um, And I think that stems from they could and I know that they checked in on their son and, you know, on the surface. But I, I think they were so busy dealing with their own grief that they overlooked that maybe Peter wasn't telling the truth about his grief, you know, and maybe forced him into some kind of therapy, you know, grief counseling or whatever. Um, I think that's where their 10% is, but it's not like Peter came from an abusive home, you know, where you hear these horror stories where, you know, kids are abused and they turn into, you know, horrible examples of humanity. But, and then you have like psychologists saying, you know, it's, you know, trauma response to their, their abuse or whatever, but he didn't really have any of those like checklist triggers aside from the bullying. Well, but think about this. He has, so he goes through his whole life, especially at school, feeling like he doesn't fit in. He doesn't belong. Nobody likes him. He felt the exact same way at home. He was second fiddle to Joey and even Joey dying still made it like Joey is still number one over me. So I, I don't think that the parents consciously did it, but he certainly knew his place in that house was never going to be the same as Joey. And with Joey with dying, problem. he was never going to get there. Yeah. yeah. And it probably and, hurt him even more because he was chasing a ghost, like literally yeah. trying to outdo a ghost. And you can't, 
one up a memory. He can't do it. Right. And Lacey even said, I think either to the cops or in her testimony or both, she was like, you know, we really did just stay out of Peter's life. We tried to leave him alone. We tried to give him his privacy, you know, and it's like they thought they were doing the right thing. But in the age of social media and texting and computers, especially, you got to you got to be invasive. You got to know what your kids are doing. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to say real quick, um, one, one of my friends, Chris, um, he has a new podcast and I was his first guest um, and it's called Chris of all trades um, is the podcast. It's K R I S. And the first episode was about school shootings. So if y'all want to hear like a full in depth conversation about this stuff we're talking about, definitely go check it out. Cause it was a, a really good conversation kind of about all the different things we think that cause it and, you know, what to do about it. Um, I thought you were going to shamelessly plug Papa Palpatine freaking podcast. <laughs> I would say Lewis and Lacey hold some responsibility as far as his psyche and what maybe I, I would say for not pr- making his home a safe place for him uh-huh. emotionally, but for the actual acts of physical violence, I don't think you can say they hold any responsibility for that. No. It's easy to blame the parents. And that courtroom scene was so traumatic, you know, because you feel for the people in the gallery going, my kid's never going to grow up. My kid's dead. And you also feel for Lacey. It's like her kid's basically dead too. And everybody hates her. Everybody's looking at her. Everybody's blaming her. And she did what she thought was best. Uh-huh. It's easy, easy to play Monday morning quarterback when you can look at stuff after, but, you know. Yeah. When you're in the thick of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thick of it. Can... Not the thick of it. <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't think our parents had an easy job of it at all when it came to raising us into the fine, upstanding citizens that we are. I cannot imagine how difficult our parents would have had it if you throw in the internet and social media and all that other crap. Oh, yeah. I think each it generation, now. it gets exponentially more difficult to protect your children. Yeah. Because there are. I some- do not want to see what it's going to be like for the next year. I, well, I will be around to see what it's like for the next generation, but I, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Because social media and the internet and all of that has complicated things a lot. And I know how much it's complicated things. And if it's going to get worse the next time around, oh, dear Lord, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, I'm hoping the senility hits before it really gets bad. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. I just want to, like, make new friends every day. 50, <laughs> 50 dates. Yeah, I just want to live in a delighted world where there are no problems and be senile enough to know or to think that that's where I'm at. Heck yeah. So when Lewis finally visits Peter and says he's sorry, do you think he was really sorry or do you think Peter was right? He's not Lewis sorry. was there just to hear himself say he was sorry. Yep. He, he was there just to hear himself. He that was apology was for himself, not for Peter. Yep. 
I think think him saying I'm sorry after a certain period of time would have weighed heavier on Peter if he would act, was actually going through the motions and coming to visit to him on a regular basis and then got finally got to a point where he's like you know what I'm sorry for everything I'm sorry for the part that I played in sending you down this fucking rabbit hole I feel like maybe he literally doesn't see him for months and then just shows up out of the clear blue and almost the first thing out of his mouth is I'm sorry that's like that's why Peter says fuck you for coming here I it's weird but when I was reading the character of Lewis I was getting a little bit of Asperger's vibe from him like maybe Mm -hmm. he wasn't just cold but maybe he didn't you know because sometimes people with Asperger's they don't have the ability to express emotions and everything is kind of pretty black and white. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. they spend time masking to make themselves appear like everyone else. So sometimes I wonder if maybe he wasn't, you know, a little bit on the spectrum as far as it wasn't him refusing the emotions, but maybe he just didn't feel them. Some people are just very black and white. You could definitely be right. But, and it, like, I mean, my husband, he is very black and white. He does not see shades of gray at all. And so it's not even 50. Not even <laughs> 50. Damn it, Shanna, you stole my fucking joke before I could get it out. I knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> not and 50, I think Lewis man. is one of those people. I mean, obviously, he deals with numbers and calculates the like quotients of happiness based on, like, yeah. And, and the that's fact another that he thing that, that in his own family was just so crazy to me. And that's another thing that kind of pushed me towards the Asperger's thing is because he was trying to take something that was gray and make it black and white. Yeah. He was taking out the fifty shades of gray and putting in in black. It's, black, it's white. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's black. It's white. <laughs> I'm not Michael Jackson. So me either. Don't me for that joke either. Uh, Man, you didn't you... die, did you? What? Oh, you flopped over and like I didn't even see breathing. I'm like, <laughs> I did you? No. Poor Manda Panda. <sighs> You're not bottle in your towel. Oh, hey, we can actually see your face for the first time in like. <laughs> Three and a half weeks. You don't want to see this. <laughs> of course we do. No. I just had no. to roll over. Love you, Plobster, but yeah, keep keep the camera above the nose, please. It's like you're like a dude that discovered online porn for the first <laughs> time, <laughs> and you're oh, trying to Lord. video chat with someone. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, on that note, I think we kind of sort of already got to this question, but we'll go ahead and ask it again just to make sure we got it all covered. Uh, do you agree with Dr. King's testimony that society is partly to blame for Peter's actions? Because society created both Peter and those bullies. Yes. Yes. Again, yes. Just like we were saying earlier, Lacey and Lewis have their role to play in creating 
Peter as a whole, but then at the same time, society has its role to play as well, whether it all comes together and scissors and makes the perfect storm of events. I feel like society can't create Peter without having some kind of contribution from Lacey and Lewis. Lacey and Lewis at the same time almost can't have their part come into effect without the societal aspects of Peter's creation as well. It's so, like Adam. You have like the protons and the neutrons and the electrons and together where they all work, but if one of those goes off kilter, it blows up. Yeah. Well, do you think society created creates the bullies or the parents create the bullies or both? Both. Both. Yeah, I, think both. both. I think it's like a chicken and the egg kind of situation. Yeah. Well, because at the end of the day, it does not matter. There's bullies all the way back to freaking Laura Ingalls Wilder and Little House on the Prairie days. Fucking I've seen enough of the girl name with the white pigtails. Oh, that little bitch. I don't remember her name. Her and her mom both. I know. I just wanted to hit him with my car. Like, I want to go back <laughs> and hit him with my car. You, and you like, mean your horse-drawn buggy? No, I'm going to take oh, no. the DeLorean and go oh. back in time and hit him with the car and then go back to the future and people are going to be looking around like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> what the hell was this big gray thing that came out of the middle of nowhere and ran down, down to freaking child and her mother and Freaking all of a sudden just disappeared again out of nowhere. I keep thinking Lizzie, but I know that's not right. I'm looking it up. Nellie Olson. That's Nellie. right. Nellie. I was close. Samsonite. You were. I was way off. <laughs> uh, and then her mom was um, 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 Harriet. I only noticed because my mother... Huge little or huge little house on the prairie fan. I was too. I forgot. Well, that was one of the big TV shows back when we were kids. Didn't she have like a little crony brother? Yes. That's what I thought. They were like always together, and like he was like her little minion. (laughs) You said minion. Why don't I have a minion? You do. She's got Coco One Nine. (laughs) No, we're on an equal playing field. Like, yeah. You are the yin. I have Larry. Larry's my minion. We're both Mega Mind. Yes. I am true. (laughs) Larry is only your minion when you allow him to watch Payback in its entirety, not just the last three minutes of his Seth Rollins title match. It'll replay today. He'll never know. Yes, he will. Mm -hmm. Mama, why is we watching Wrestle Wins and the Sun Shines Out? (laughs) Uh, why do you think Josie shot Matt instead of Peter why do you think Peter kept her secret sorry well I mean at the end of the day Peter's a dick too I mean he wasn't a dick to Josie no not by any stretch of imagination but at the same time so this isn't one of these we're getting to that moment so spoiler alerts all over the place people but um, this is not one of those moments where the big reveal happens and you find out it wasn't Peter that did any of the school shootings at all, and it was Josie. It, jo- the only aspect that Josie's guilty of is shooting Matt. 
I mean, she was Peter traumatized, still- I think. She was in a term. Sorry. Well, no, I was just saying Peter killed. Well, no, Peter still killed 29 of, well, whatever the number was, but he's still he responsible for the, No, it was like 10 12 or, or something. 10 or 12, yeah. But at the end of the day, technically, yes, Jody did shoot Matt. Jody, Jody, Jody. not my daughter. Yeah, I meant Josie. <laughs> Josie. <coughs> Josie did shoot Matt. Josie did not kill Matt. Yeah. Peter is one the one to put a freaking bullet in between his eyes and said, fuck you, go to hell. I think that Josie had that snap that yeah. battered women feel where yeah. they, you know, that's her abuser. And I think she shot him just out of like fight or flight kind of thing. Just, you know, picked up the gun, bam. Because he was and, yelling at her. He was like, what yeah. are you fucking stupid? Shoot, shoot, yeah. shoot the gun. And she's like, shit, this guy has hit me. This guy raped me. This mm-hmm. guy has like, done all these things to me. And she was scared and she was traumatized. And then I think Peter shot him and killed him to protect Josie. Yeah. Because if Matt lived, then he'd be like, that bitch shot me. Yeah, and Josie would go to jail, and he would—he thought that since he was going anyway, that he would finish the job and then just take the blame, and no one would ever know. Well, well cold he wanted the... to kill Matt anyway, so. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's cold. It, this is going to sound cold, but at the end of the day, he'd already killed what 10, 11 people. Mm-hmm. At this point, what's one more death on his freaking record? Right. Either he was going to get off for all of the killings or he's going to go to jail for all the killings. So whether the number was 10 or 11, it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to just kind of recap because I didn't put this in the questions really, but we kind of, when when we talked on the first episode and I told you guys, you know, we were kind of getting to the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was like, no, you guys have not gotten to that yet. So you've got this email that, Peter writes to Josie, telling her, you know, professing his love. Courtney spams it out to the entire school. Then she tells Peter Josie likes her. He comes up to Josie in the cafeteria, and then Matt pulls his pants down and his dick's hanging out. I mean, and Josie does nothing. Like, how much worse could it get, you know? Like, I think for him, he was like, I have nothing to lose anymore. Yeah, I mean, that... Well, that... Is the cliche nightmare of all nightmares would be going to school and walking in and you're butt naked in front of everybody in the freaking school. He may not have been 100% butt naked, but he was 100% butt naked from the freaking waist down. Yeah. I mean. He definitely felt bad. That would be enough to cycle. That that would be definitely be enough to psychologically break me probably not to the extent to where i'm going to take a bunch of guns to school and kill x number of people and you know injure 19 more or whatever yeah but see here's the thing is had peter walked into a room and pulled his own pants down and exposed himself he'd end up on a registry uh, RSO. Do it to him, and there's no punishment. Yeah. 
there was never any punishment. His entire academic life, there was never any punishment to his bullies, which is just another thing compounded on all the trauma. Mm-hmm. Nobody's helping this, him. I was going to say, this is where society does play a huge, huge, huge role in creating pe- ultimately the Peter that came to school that day and freaking blew everybody away. All this unfortunate crap happened to Peter throughout his entire fucking life, but yet nobody had Peter's back ever. And that principal had the nerve to get on the stand and say, we have a zero tolerance policy. I was so glad Jordan ripped that shit apart. Like, oh, when they, he literally sat there and he's like, so tell me where in this handbook does it say how to yeah. handle this type of situation? Oh, well, it says that's not my an- that's not the answer to the question I just asked you. Tell me where. And it's like, uh, 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 uh. I've seen enough freaking school handbooks, teacher handbooks, whatever, that many of them are worded exactly like that one that was read during cross-examination was written. And they're very vague. Yeah, they lay out the whole, we do not tolerate zero tolerance for blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. But a lot of them don't illustrate the proper procedure step-by-step to take once a sexual assault happens once a school shooting happens or a kidnapping happens or whatever the case may be. It's all basically left for the adult's discretion as to how they're planning to handle it once the shit hits the fan. Yeah. I've never read a handbook in my life. Not even for a job? No. What? Okay. Like if I need something, I'll go look it up, but I'm not going to, like, flip through it. Oh, every job I've had, they make you read it on the first day and sign off on it. I sign it. I'm like, cool. If I ever need anything, I'll let you know. <laughs> but, oh, shit. There. The companies that I've worked for the last three times didn't have an HR department until I came on board. Ah. Do you think there's a reason why <laughs> for that? Lot. Probably. We don't need, we don't need, we do, oh shit, here comes Shanna Banana, we need freaking human resources. It's all fun and games till you hire me. It's all fun and games until Shanna walks in the door and farts at the damn front desk. Why, um, why would it be like that? I'm, you are proficient with your appreciation for a sound fart, so. For sure. We'll just leave it at that. I don't usually uh, mark my territory on the first day, though. <laughs> Liar. Do you think justice was served for Peter and Josie? What mm. is that noise? Oh, it's me eating. <laughs> Sorry. It's her, <laughs> eating before Tyson comes back and, it's her eating before Tyson comes back and freaking eats her butter beer. Her, oh, the her lettuce, lettuce. Yeah. Lettuce. Hmm? I forgot about the lettuce. Well, I, not the lettuce. Not the, <laughs> not the lettuce. That's definitely organic. I I think I one crouton. That's wild. <laughs> Shake your crouton. Um, I think yes. I mean, 
and another spoiler alert, I guess we know at the end, Peter takes his own life in jail, which doesn't surprise me because that was what he intended to do the day of. I think Josie shooting Matt threw him off his game. Um, I kind of feel, I wonder, I wish I knew what happened with Josie's trial because I almost feel like, I guess five years isn't harsh because Matt wasn't threatening her in that situation. Well, and I think they said too that she was only found guilty of being an accessory. Yeah. So I'm guessing probably I I almost hate to make this statement, but I almost have to wonder if her mother and her knowings of how to work the judicial system almost didn't help set her up for a better deal than what she probably would have gotten if like Lacey and Lewis had been her parents. Yeah. I mean, Alex was a well-respected judge the way I understood the story to play out. Mm-hmm. And the only reason she necessarily stepped down was the fact that after it came out that what Josie did, she was never going to be able to barely sit on her bench and try a case ever again. Yeah. It, it was always going to come into question as to her mental stability. Um, how can you handle this kind of case when your own daughter did this, that, and the other thing? So. She know. went back to being a lawyer. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Not just a lawyer, though. I, if I remember correctly, yeah. didn't she go back to being a public defender? Maybe. I can't remember. I mean, I don't feel like it's that key. Of an, just knowing that she went back to her roots and um, I guess, spoiler alert, is going to get a second chance to do what she couldn't do for Josie because in the last couple pages of the book, you find out that um, she'd got a baby daddy. A second, a second baby daddy. So 17, what, 18 years after her first child, she's going to go back to square one and start all over again. Oh God, that would be my worst nightmare. I'd give her credit for that. Not something that I would be willing to do it myself though. Well, that also brings up the fact that Josie also was going through trauma regarding her dad because she found her birth dad. And, and he was he had, yeah. shit. Yeah, he had this whole other life, this whole family, didn't want anything to do with her. And how many like, you to go away? Yeah. Yeah, so didn't he like offer like offer money? Yeah, because he was running for office. I wish my dad would offer me money to go away. <laughs> You're oh. listening to this dad hashtag give me money. I'll offer you money to stay around. I wish my dad would pay me to go away and I could just, we could just keep having the relationship that we do now. (laughs) Uh, So how does this book affect or change your views on school shootings? Do you think the author did a good job of exposing the nuances and placing blame where it was warranted? I do. Um, I think she did a fantastic job at not 
I don't want to say glamorizing because that's definitely not what the word I'm looking for, but, um, no, cause she does definitely does not glamorize this at all by any stretch of yeah, imagination. It's gritty and realistic because everything is so messy. Yeah. And that's so many sides to these stories. Exactly. Like I read another, I was telling Amanda and you about the, um, I was reading the, a mother's reckoning by Sue, Sue Klebold. And like, I felt like I got more out of Jody's book than I did hers. Yeah. As far as, you know, what it must've been like to experience this because Never once in the narrative that Jody played was there a poor me by anybody's parents. Right. You know what I mean? So, and I mean, Lacey didn't just say, oh, I didn't know anything was wrong. Nothing I could have done, you know. She right. really worked at finding out, you know, what happened. She wanted to know what happened to her child. And, you know, what happened to make the perfect storm. And... I really, it's not that I enjoyed it, but I oh, found yeah. a better experience. Yeah, like I guess I don't, I don't find joy by any stretch of the imagination between page one and page 455. But there is definitely an element that Jody brings out in this and I don't remember if we brought it up in the last episode or if we talked about it in the group chat before we got started into this, but I believe Amanda brought up the point of it's almost like the school shooting while is an important part of the story is almost like a secondary character. Mm -hmm. And this story literally as everything unfolds on page one, all the way even to the last page on 455 is more about the psychology and the emotional effect that everything has had on Josie, on Alex, on Lacey, on Peter, yeah. on the rest of the kids, on Patrick, on Jordan, on everybody from top. I mean, every, this event and it, it should. It, I mean, we've all lived through Columbine. We've all lived through Sandy Hook. We've all lived through, I'm not going to name all the freaking school shootings and shit that we've lived through, but we've lived through a wealth of school shootings in our entire lifetime. There is nothing glamorous about school shootings. We do not condone school shootings, but I think there's a lot to learn from this book in the effect of just how much severe tragedies like this can psychologically affect an individual, a group of people, and a community as a whole. Yeah. So. I think I liked that, like, I, I understand what you're saying. The The school shooting itself in the book was just a caveat to the story. Like, it was just a small piece of the story. It wasn't the story. And I right. think that's why the book was so incredible. So, and it reminds um, you that... Not okay. to venture off topic really quick, but I need to bring something up that... Um, Shanna, do not let us go offline after we end this session. I have a um, spoiler alert that 
Amanda knows about that I need to bring to your attention. No goody. So not necessarily for either of the next two, but we've got a book coming up that need, you need to have trigger warnings, red flags all over the place. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Back to what you were um, saying. So what I was going to say is that I think the book is important because, like like you said, there's so much we can learn from it. But it, the bottom line for me is that it reminds you that every single person involved is a human being. Yep. Because mm-hmm. people forget that in these situations. It's like, oh, we're going to hate the shooter. They're a monster. We're going to mourn all the kids that died, which you should. But you, you forget that the shooter themselves is a human being. You forget that the lawyer that defends him is a human being with a family and that the parents are human beings. That everybody involved, A, has a part to play in the situation and B, is still a person who's worthy of respect and acknowledgement well and here's something that really rang deep in my heart that almost caused me to freaking ugly cry when i was finishing reading this one of the last moments that lacy has in the entire book she's talking about um peter's conviction and the darkness and the evil and all of that but she also it's also brought up that that Peter is not the same Peter that she gave birth to what, right. 17, 18 years ago. There's a Peter that went swimming in the lakes and rode bikes and all of that and played outside and did this, that. And he was a legitimate real kid yeah. who did real kid things. Who knew, who knew at three years old while he's out riding his tricycle up and down the street that he's going to become the darkest evil in that community right. and, you know, take guns to school and open fire on 29 freaking people. And that's why I like when she says, you know, people will remember Peter for 19 minutes of his life, but what about the other 9 million minutes of his life? Yeah. Yeah. Because and I really like... Day, it, even Sorry. the dark... Well, I was just going to say, even the darkest, sickest psychopaths in the world, I would say 99.9% of these people, at some point, there was goodness and innocence in their life in some way, shape, or form. I'm not saying that they're not triggered, that the psychosis is not triggered by something with like Bundy and Dahmer and all of them. But I would venture to say even people like Bundy and Dahmer and all of that, they still had moments in their life where they weren't the picture-perfect image of evil either. I think, too, like, I don't know how to explain it. I definitely think that even evil people I would only consider, I don't know. I'm not, never mind. 100% one thing. Right. You can be, for the most part, you can be a good person for, you know, nine hours out of the day. And the other 15, you could be a shitty person, but you still got nine hours. I mean, bad people do horrible, or good people do horrible things. Bad people do horrible things. It's not, you know, good people do horrible things, bad people do good things. 
I said that one time to someone. I was like, don't worry about it. Good things happen to bad people all the time. Yeah. I liked when, um, you know, Alex and Lacey, when they're in the bathroom after the whole court scene and, you know, Alex gives her that kindness of saying, you know, I remember when Peter was a little boy and, you know, he liked peanut butter and marshmallow fluff sandwiches and how cute he was and how pretty his eyelashes were. Like she was just like, you know, and then she said, what did she say? She said, something still exists as long as there's someone around to remember it. And I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So last question before we get to our reviews. Is there anything to learn from this book that you think would be valuable to high school students? Or do you think it would ultimately not change anything? I would say that... That's an, it's an interesting question. Yeah. I think I would tell myself, like if I could go back in time <laughs> yourself, I would say, or I would tell myself that neutrality is the friend of the oppressor. So if you see someone getting bullied and you do nothing, then you're, you're, you're giving the, you're leaving the power with the bully. But if you, you know, if you're not doing anything, you're guilty too. Silence is compliance. Yeah. And compliance is bad when it's bad. Yeah. I would like Apparently, to think there's a lot to learn from this that kids could learn from, that they could see, you know, the ones that are bullies, that they could see the other side that of what their actions are doing, that the ones who are being bullied could see that, High school's really all bullshit, and if you can just get through it, life will get better. Like, you know, I don't know. I Like I said, if it were up to me, this would be required reading. So I'm going to ask a way off-topic and moderately inappropriate question. Uh-oh. So, you know, Not moderately surprise, inappropriate. Surprise, surprise. I know, but let's say Lacey had an opportunity. Like, if someone like a psychic we'll go it's like a butterfly effect kind of question if Lacey had been had known that peter would grow up to kill these kids and she had a choice to either you know have him die tragically at a younger age to save these people or leave everything the same as it was and allow him to live his life and then go on to kill these people which do you think she'd choose would she choose her child over the good or you know the many or do you think she'd save Peter? You you don't you're not open to the option of her being able to change his trajectory by knowing nope. what'll happen? Nope. Okay. Because that's the too obvious of an answer. That's true. I mean, there's always unfortunately, as long as society is the way it is, there's always gonna be a Peter. Right. But if you if you were Lacey and you had that choice, which would you go? Which way would you go? Would you save the kids or would you save Peter? Would I know what assholes those kids were? No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> they weren't all. I mean, my logic says I would I would sacrifice Peter, but in my heart... My I heart tells me those kids are doomed at 18. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I will agree with Amanda on that one. I mean, 
there's the obvious right answer that everybody knows, but at the end of the day, it's still your kid. Your kid, and you know, if you know how much of a dick people like Matt and Drew and Courtney, Courtney, not Courtney, <laughs> not Courtney. <laughs> We need to recreate those videos. <laughs> you took us be a Kardashian. Go right the fuck I'm ahead. I'm going to be Chloe so I can be not the... <laughs> With the paper, construction paper nails? Yes. <laughs> they get stuck uh, in her hair. <laughs> not the crouton. <laughs> Shake your crouton. <laughs> All right. So... Wow. I could do Courtney, too. Okay. Anyway, sorry. So at this point, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering the meat and potatoes of the entire second half mm, of the book. And and <laughs> Shanna, food. food. Mm. Shanna loves food. I'm ready to go eat some potato soup. So let's do it. Yeah. Um, not potato soup. <laughs> mm. It is not organic. It's probably not even vegan. Yeah. No, it has milk in it. Um, and so, potato. Okay. <laughs> ratings and But they're alive. Go ahead. Vegans eat plants? Plants are alive. Vegan is nothing with a face. I ate a carrot one time that had a face. <laughs> um, it, um, Technically, anyway. potatoes have eyes. Uh, <laughs> they do. bad. <laughs> That's just when they have eyelashes. So, eh, peace and hair <laughs> grease. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, ratings and reviews for 19 minutes. I feel like uh, let's let Shanna go first, and then Amanda can swoop in second since it was her choice. I am going to give this a 4.9 out of 5 um, stray bullets. Ouch. <laughs> Not the stray bullets. I know. Um, I thought it was gripping. I thought it was haunting and moving and emotional like it was one of the best books i've read in a very long time yay not better than mr mercedes though oh god <laughs> oh we will get to tell that story at some point on the show but not today um amanda well i'm glad i picked a book that i think we all enjoyed as much as you can enjoy a book on this topic don't shake your head like you didn't you didn't like this book um uh, that's fun picking on you especially when you're sick i'm gonna give it um five out of five judges rubes i thought you were gonna say running children <laughs> oh god damn it Jan. you are going straight to hell <laughs> Um, I second I'm going for the luxury seats now. <laughs> yeah. 
I check. I uh, second everything Shanna said, and this is my third time reading this book, and it is very moving and beautiful, and I think very thought provoking, and I would highly recommend it to anybody. Thank you guys for oh, reading. I don't think any of us will not echo any of the other sentiments. Um, this is a great book. I was pleasantly surprised at just how great it was. Even if the plot twist at the end being Jody shot Matt. Josie. Not Peter. <laughs> Josie, oh my to, God. Trying to pop up. <laughs> Josie Grossy. And getting my daughter on some paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! Um, well, to be fair, the opposite is Jody too. So, <coughs> exactly. There's too much Joe in this freaking world right now. Um, but no, it's a great, great story. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it probably will not be the last time I read it. I will probably. Not on a regular, like, oh, my God, it's been three months. I need to read 19 minutes again. But, you know, there probably will come a few more times that I will gladly sit down and enjoy this reaping of this literature. Uh, I think I'm going to go with 4.9 out of 5 ricocheted bullets in oak trees. Not the bullets. <laughs> Not the oak trees. <laughs> Only because of the fact that if I had said 4.9 running children, that probably would have been kind of mildly inappropriate. So I already suggested it. <laughs> that too. Yeah, the thought, had, that crossed, even the thought had crossed my mind before Shanna had said it, but at the end of the day, we all know what each other is thinking and most of the time, it's mildly inappropriate. So, most of the time, mildly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Mm. One letter in that adjective was in that adverb was wrong, and it was the M. Wildly inappropriate. Yeah. So, I would also just uh, like to say real quick to the listeners to, if you enjoyed this book, definitely check out some of her other books. I have read a ton of them. They're all very thought provoking. Um, I was actually, before Harvey recommended our book for February, I was actually going to choose Small Great Things for February because it is about racism. But Small Great Things is a really good one. Um, Wish You Were Here, My Sister's Keeper. The Pact was the really packed. good. Um, I've had a couple of discussions with people the last few days as I was bringing up the updates on to whether or not we were going to get this episode released on literature Monday, but I've gotten messages from people that is, Oh my God, I love Jody. I love Jody. I love Jody. Yes. Jody, not Josie. I love Jody. Yes. And it's like trying to convey how much I love this book to people, but yet not conveying that to people because I want people to tune in and listen. So I always, this is a great book, but you have to tune in on whatever day we drop this episode so that you can listen to the full 
experience of because there's a lot to discuss about this book. Yes, it is so de- in depth. It is thorough. It is everything I love. It's the psychology. I love psychology. I love getting into the fucking head and exploring elements of why things are the way they are. And this is a very psychological book. And um, all of her books are. A Spark yeah, of Light was the other one. Sorry that I was going to throw out there. Um, okay, but. At the yeah. same time, I definitely want to, um, one, pat Amanda on the back for picking this book. And two, kick Shanna in the ass because it is so eternally grateful in my heart that um, Amanda picked this book to help erase the memory of that hot <laughs> garbage book that we did last month. At least people know we're honest. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's good that we got a bad book into that first rotation of... What are you talking about? I picked two bombs in my two turns. I mean, the first one, I can't remember what it was called, wasn't as the bad last word. as... The last word was... The last word. It was <laughs> like a, a rotten hot dog in a styrofoam container on a <laughs> And then the last, or the spare room is... The spare like, room was... Not even a rotten hot. That was a. It was like an imp- an imploded whale out in the ocean. So I've picked two good books, and Shannon's picked two bad books. So now, when we get to read Casey's book, we're going to find out which side he falls on. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the day, I've picked one good book. Come over to the dark side. Oh yeah, that's right. You picked a time to kill. I forgot about that. Yeah, you did pick a so, good book. I definitely will. So I think at this point we've done our reviews and I'm just going to go rip the bandaid off and let everybody know that coming up next on literature reapers, we have discussed it. And because of the fact that we have the holidays coming up here shortly, and we're going to try and get a holiday book in for the month of December (coughs) that we're going to have to do a double book month. And I think the best time to do that is going to be coming up next because our next two books being The Hellbound Heart, recommended by our guest that we will have on that episode, Mr. Chance the Rapper, Chancey Greif, will be with us. And we will follow that up with the Pulitzer Prize winning To Kill a Mockingbird, recommended by one Mr. DeAndre Robinson. But then November, we will be discussing my pick, Jeff Minipace's Bad Games. So stay tuned for that. The girls will be picking our holiday book for December. Um, if I remember correctly, yes. It's going to be Enter Cramped Ass. <laughs> Instead of oh, Cramped Ass. Not that Cramped Ass. <laughs> And then after our holiday read, we will have January, and Shannon will be picking again. Hopefully, she does better than she did the last time. I I already know what my book is going to be, and I want to do an Evening at the Movies crossover with it. Ooh, okay. Fuck, they did a novelization of Cool as Ice. No. <laughs> She's fucking Fifty Shades of Grey. You better watch out. 
little do they does he know that's like on my WhatsApp is <laughs> vanilla ice fanfic. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! No. Once we're off, once we're off air, we can have this discussion. But um, and then we will we will in February. Oh, I should draw- like what the book was that way people could get excited. Okay. It is Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Oh well, that. I thought it was going to be something freaking like horrible. Oh no, magic! It's magic on the page and the silver screen. So, okay. Uh, well, if we're going to do that, we may as well go ahead and say in February, it was brought up and discussed, and Amanda agreed to use her pick. But we will be recommended by an evening at the movies, or not an evening at the movies. I did not make these rankings podcast network. Compadre Harvey has recommended we do the autobiography of Malcolm X for Black History Month. So in February, we will be reading and discussing the and I autobiography like too, of Malcolm X. I like, too, that we're letting people know way ahead of time what we're planning to read. That way, it's in the back of their head. And if they're out and about and they see a copy of the book and they want to read along with us, it gives them plenty of time to grab it. Exactly. So, um, shameless plug time. And then, oh shit, we're an hour and a half into the episode. Yes, shameless plug time. Uh, Amanda, go. What? My name is Amanda. I live in Texas and I'm the host of a show (laughs) called uh, The City, where we drink our top five wines and talk about the things. (laughs) That was great. So close. So close. Very, very Amanda, close. yay! We, we don't drink top five wines. That's, that's a lot Amanda of wine to drink. A top wine. five list of wines, for sure. Oh, yeah. And she doesn't Amanda's, have to got a lot, Amanda's got a lot bigger of a list of wines than top five. Amanda's dozing off, so... Yes, thank so... And thank you. I am Shanna, and I am half of the co-hosts of Crime Rewind, where Amanda is also a co-host. <laughs> Do I really sound like that? Yes. <laughs> Where we talk about the old, the cold, and often untold, and you can hear us every Tuesday morning. Where you get your, cro- your crod past. What? <laughs> Podcast. Not the crod past. <laughs> crod past. I'm the host of a crod past. <laughs> Trademark 2023. Uh... I'm Casey. I am one of your three hosts on an evening at the movies, um, along with Shanna, and the other person's name is Amanda. <laughs> it's me, Amanda. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jesus God. Um, so coming up on an evening at the movies, really quick. As soon as somebody has the stamina to do an episode, we will be kicking off Stephen King Birthday Bonanza and maybe coming to you rapid fire, lightning round fashion, considering we're already into September and haven't even started recording the first episode yet. But stay tuned. We will get to it all. Um, Horror movie or Halloween Horror Fest also is coming up next month. We've got November schedule is starting to formulate. 
um, also in September. Hopefully we can get our first ever chaos bracket underway. And hopefully all gearing towards back. We are really trying to get the third anniversary for an evening at the movies and the 200th episode to scissors each other and come together. At- Not the aggressive scissoring. And come together at the same time. Not coming together. <laughs> I literally said that and totally regretted I said it because I knew that was going to happen. You weren't even done um, saying it before the regret set in. <laughs> nope. Not at all. Um, but there's always big stuff happening on <laughs> any of... <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> I, need, I need to mute both of your mics so I can get done with this. Um, so great... Great things are happening on all of our shows, Literature Reapers, An Evening at the Movies, Sip List, Crime Rewind, as well as the rest of the shows in the I Did Not Make These Rankings Podcast Network, www.idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com. Hashtag thank you, Kendra. Hashtag thank you, Kendra, for all the things you do for our website as well. Um, tune in I have yet Tuesday. to once see you actually use one of those hashtags in a post. Hashtag, thanks, Kendra, for setting. you don't you don't look at my freaking Twitter. I you, I don't use it a lot on Twitter, but I use it more on Twitter than I do elsewhere. So no, I think the whole spelled out thing, like because you're like hashtag thank you, Kendra, for <laughs> signing our website. Oh, okay. <laughs> hashtag wait until w- wait until this episode drops tomorrow morning. Just make sure you're using hashtag IDNMTR. Yeah, I forget that shit all the time. So, um, I don't think there's anything else. I think we all got our shameless plugs in. Um, Amanda, since this is your book and that's what we decided, are you willing to take us out and end the episode? Yeah, but I forgot what I'm supposed to say. You're supposed to give like a shameless, like little. Okay, I'll do it for you if you want. Okay. Thank you for joining us this month on Literature Reaper. You're supposed to do it in my voice. Oh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for Literature Reapers. <laughs> and I just want to remind everyone, when bullets are coming at you, zigzag. Don't run straight. <laughs> you know, not to undercut what great exit you just gave, Shannon, but it almost is fitting that I'm going to follow that up by saying a tribute to the late great Wyndham Rotunda. Um, the next time you see me, run. <laughs> Literature Reapers is a proud member of the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network. Other shows in the network include Masturbators, <laughs> The Sip List, Crushgasm, Men Are the Prize, An Evening at the Movies, Love is Black, and Literature Reapers. You can find out about all of our shows and more at idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com. Happy listening. Why'd you make me sound like a valley girl? Do I sound like a valley girl? (laughs) No, but it makes it funnier. Oh, it it does make it a lot funnier. See you. (laughs) 